Selden Hunt, are you there? I am indeed. He is here. All right. Welcome. Thank you for Hi, joining us. How you doing? I'm very well. What's What's up with you, sir? Not much. Just Just taking it easy today. Mm-hmm. And uh, and doing this. Well, thanks for making the time to do this. That's no, a pleasure. It, and do you call yourself a graphic artist, a fine artist, a working artist? What's your uh, What's your term for yourself, or do you get to wear whatever term you I'm want? Not, I'm not too sure. I mean, I guess uh, I guess I, I guess it's a hard one, really. I think probably cover artist is probably the more uh, less illustrious term. <laughs> you, you know, it's a bit of everything. It's it's design, but it's also you know it's art for album covers. It's 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 a bit of both. I mean, some people do one or the, one or the other or both. Well, and you do you do many, so yes, I guess that you could you could straddle those those categories at any time. Well, I try to as much as possible, anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to guess that you were led into the art path as, at at a young age. And just to um to let the listeners know, if you want to sort of rattle off a a couple bands that you've done projects for, so um. Oh, I've uh, I've done some work. I've done a Neurosis cover uh, for the Sun That Never Sets. Pelican, I've done a lot of posters for Isis and uh, merch for Sun. Yeah, posters for Melvins and Plan Fire and uh, uh, just all sorts of things. That sort of general genre, I guess, sort of post-2000 doom and post-metal sort of uh, range of bands, definitely, yeah. And I love your categorization, the post-2000 doom. <laughs> I've never actually thought of it before. That just came out because oh. the radio. But it actually seems <laughs> to work, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, it absolutely does. I, I may have to steal that from you at some point in my, you know, in my, my DJing. Uh... It's, it's all yours. <laughs> Thank you. And so, um, and you grew up in Australia. That's right, yes. in Melbourne, yep. So what was your, um, I guess, what was your training like in, in art, and how did you end up managing to, I mean, and, and this is your living. You do make a living in art. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I wasn't really, I wasn't really, I wasn't really artistic when I was younger, to be honest. I wasn't really anything. I, I, I was just a, sort of a nothing person for, you know, really up to my late teens, and I didn't really start drawing till I was around probably 19, I guess. Yeah, I just found out that maybe that was one way of impressing girls, and you know, it didn't work anyway, but... Uh, <laughs> I just thought I'd need something to show off something. It was just the typical low self-esteem sort of situation when you're younger. And, but I was I was okay at it, and uh, I enjoyed it uh, more than uh, anything uh, else, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sort of was really more into cartooning than as I didn't really know anything else. Oh, wow. Um, it was more for doing birthday cards for people at uh, the university I was at where I was, um, I was studying biology because I had no idea why. I had no interest in it, but that's what you do instead of getting a job. Oh, but, you know, I think that a lot of your artwork is very sort of biology-oriented because it's really, really detailed, and and, yeah. and your skulls are perfect. I mean, when I first started doing album covers, I wanted to do something that was more connected to the natural world, and uh, I actually, I mean, this is before the internet had such a vast resource, but I think when I started doing album covers, um, the internet wasn't really a predominant uh, factor in life, so... Um, I think I was using fax machines to uh, communicate with um, a couple of artists uh, uh, or musicians. Oh wow! Overseas, yeah. When I look back on it, and but I think I remember when I wanted to uh, had a couple of projects for um, KK Null from Zinni Giva, and I wanted to uh, use uh, more sort of unusual microscopic elements of the natural world. And the only place I knew of where I could find that material readily was to actually go back to that university I'd been at ten years before in the late eighties. Because uh, I knew the library vaguely in the back of my head in my memory. And I knew that there were lots of these quite old books that had, you know, the whole phyla and species uh, drawn from the 
19th century in this sort of uh, pen and ink style. So I was really doing collage. Yeah, so I mean, that, that link between being at the university and doing that work was, was actually quite direct. I actually went back to that university to use their, their, their library for uh, a reason that was probably more profound than the reason I was there in the first place, which was... Isn't that funny? ...disinterest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but once the internet became more uh, you know, filled with everything, I didn't really need to use library anymore. All those, all those sort of images are quite readily available if you know where to look. That's very neat, and your and your work is is very organic, look, yeah. and, and truly beautiful. You know, I just want to put that out there. I mean, you're, you know, you are super super talent. Well, know. thanks. Yeah, <laughs> your stuff is. I mean, it is. It's great. You know, and I and I do hope I I put a link up on the uh, the website now with the, uh, with your, your site on it, and uh, oh, cool. and because uh, I know you do, um, prints and different editions of things, and. Um, and, I, and do you sell some of that stuff through your website? Uh, I used to, not really much anymore. Okay. Well, I'm more sold. So I sell more work through um, Shirts and Destroy. It just gets a little laborious taking care of mailing. I think my personality didn't really suit it. I, I tended to put things off all the time. Mm. So, you know, people would order uh, some posters or, or something, and uh, I'd forget. You know, I, I get angry emails from people <laughs> three weeks after. I'd be like, ah. Oh. Yeah, so I try not to do that anymore. I think I just annoy people too much. So uh, That's I, let, I, let, I let Shirts and Destroy take care of anything I do now. And, uh, it's, it's much more reasonable. It's out of sight, out of mind. And is that all shirts? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I probably do more shirts there now. I'm, I'm probably not doing as much poster work uh, as I used to for various reasons. They're, they're, they've got a good system going and a, and a good, I don't know, a good audience. It seems to expand, so mm-hmm. you know, I can work outside, the, I guess, the... Um, audience that I've built up over the years, which I think has dissipated a little with some of the bands that I was synonymous with not really um, being in existence anymore. Well, it's been a while since 2000. Yes, well, bands like Isis have disbanded, of course, and you know, bands like Pelican and Sun, I mean, they're not really playing as many shows as they used to. And so, the, so that sort of scene is sort of, I don't know, it, it's tapered off a lot, I think, in the last couple of years as compared to, say, in 2006, where it was, you know, it was, it was it gained quite a lot of popularity. Uh, I think, you know, there are other things happening now. As, you know, that's normal, of course. Shirts and Destroy is good because as a whole, you know, it's not really based on a genre of music. It's more sort of that, it encompasses everything from hardcore to metal and tattooing and, you know, just all sorts of things. So that opens up, you know, an audience that I didn't necessarily have beforehand. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Yeah, and then they they handle things for you more efficiently than uh, than you seem to think that you have. Oh yeah, they're very very professional with how they run their business, and um, you know their product. Also, their products are really good. I mean, sometimes when I was doing things myself, I, I didn't have as much control over the screen printing, for example, or you know, who was printing it, what I was doing. So um, you know, they've got some people they use for the you know they're, they're printing their shirts, for example, which are really superb, and uh, it's quality control from my end. I don't have to worry about it. It's good. going to ask you how much because a lot of your work is you know reproduced in some kind of print form how much of the actual printing like the editions that you did hands-on and how much of it you would send out well i, I don't really i haven't done any hands-on printing for a long time myself i just found my what i wanted to create was outside my ability as a screen printer for mm. example i wasn't really trained in it <clears throat> when it came to doing more complex designs and constructions that was just like something i wasn't capable Mm. But, uh, when I first started doing it, I did a lot like the original posters I was doing 
was doing were a much more simple bold, I guess, but that was based on the necessity of doing something that I could actually screen print without it looking like a complete hash. Right. Well, and your work is extremely intricate, so the actual process of reproducing it has got to be, you know, rather it's insane. It's a headache, yeah. Yeah. No, no one wants to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Selden Hunt, the man who, yeah. who puts too much on everybody's plate. That's right. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Hey, so you're here to guest DJ for us. Yep. And uh, so the first track um, I would like you to introduce and uh, tell me why you picked it. Yes, it's, uh, it's Country Doctor by mm-hmm. Burning Witch. I've had a long association with Stephen O'Malley very early on in uh, my music design career. Um, he contacted me in, I think, probably around uh, 2003, perhaps, to do a cover for a Lotus Eaters EP. And uh, yeah, we just, I don't know, we just developed a pretty, a, a pretty firm friendship from there on. And I think Burning Witch is definitely one of my uh, favorite unusual bands of the, of the 90s that I wasn't really aware of until I, I met Stephen. They're definitely a, an unusual, heavy, nasty, coarse metal experience. It's hard to describe. I guess you just have to listen to it. Okay. So that is what we're, we're going to do. And my guest is Selden Hunt. Please stay tuned. We're going to listen to some Burning Witch now.
Connie trying to run over there a little bit. Selden, are you there? I am still here. He is here. Selden Hunt is my guest, and he is doing the, the guest DJing remote. And uh, so we just heard Skin Coat from Connie. What do you want to say about uh, about those guys? Well, that's one band I really wish I'd, I'd, I'd had the chance to see and uh, live. I just think they're one of the more extraordinary bands of the last you know, 10 years. They really produce a huge body of material, but it's just the most disturbing and unusual, dark, very unique, very unusual group of people put together to, to make that music. I know all the guys in the band quite well, and I, I, I can't even imagine them in a room together, let alone um, you know, composing music. But I think that comes out mm-hmm. definitely in the, in the music. They're all rather extreme people. Yeah, I was very excited when I moved to New York in 2006. I thought, wow, I'm going to get to see Carne because there's no chance they're ever going to come to Australia. And I think I'd been here about two weeks, and, I, and Stephen called me up and was like, oh, do you want to get, get a drink? And I was like, yeah, yeah, what's going on? And he's like, oh, yeah, we just, Carne just split up. What? <laughs> Wait, you can't split up until I see <laughs> what you. About, what about me? <laughs> <laughs> what about you? <laughs> yeah, so that was, uh, you know, I, 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 I think they're a band that's very difficult to listen to, and I, I can't imagine, I don't think I've ever listened to a whole album uh, straight through, because it's, uh, it really it just fills my head with all sorts of unusual images that aren't necessarily um, legal, I think. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I, uh, great I, band. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I did, um, you know, and live, there's also the phenomenon of people who don't know what they're getting into in the audience and, and the leaving aspect. You know, there is the kind of, there, there's the bailout aspect of watching Connie. And I yeah. uh, I can't remember where it was that I saw them. And Jack Osborne, Ozzy's kid, was there. And he right. left, like, with his hands over his ears. I was like, well, of course he did. Of course he did. It just, you know, it's good to know that, you know, there are people out there doing something right. We'll put it this way, Carnate isn't Mummy's Boy's music. Oh, no. No, and that's what he is. Yeah. But, uh, well, no, yeah, I, I, who knows what Jack's all about, but it wasn't, he, he wasn't all about Carnate that night. And, uh, and there were plenty of other people who were not about Carnate that night yeah. either, clearly. Well, they just shouldn't have been there. Well, you should have. I should have been there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the next thing we're going to go to, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's Yob, Breathing from the Shallows. That's another band I became familiar with um, five or six years ago, I guess. Yeah, I just, I just thought they just had a really, I mean, as far as that kind of doomy, droney, epic sort of sound that um, a lot of bands are doing, they just sort of seem to have a very strange, I don't know, it had like a Middle Eastern feel to it or something uh, to me. And uh, I don't know, I've always just been a big fan. I was really disappointed when they split up for a while there. I'm not course knowing that they would reform um, and uh, I think when they did Midian a couple of them Midian that was great I think Job's always been the, uh, a special band I saw them for the first time this year live and uh, yeah they were absolutely extraordinary it was one of the best shows of the year amazing riff compositions that uh, more than happy to very glad that the, some of the songs are 15 minutes long it's nice to just soak it all in for that period of time but uh, they're one of my favorite contemporary bands and I'm, you know, and I'm really glad that you're here, actually, because cause we're, you know, I see you at shows all the time, and we have somewhat, you know, similar tastes, or at least our tastes are parallel. So I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, Selden's going to play what I like. Good. <laughs> that's, that's the what about me thing coming out there again. Yeah, there we go. But, uh, 
But yeah, so, all right, well, um, my guest is Selden Hunt, and you can look at his artwork at SeldonHunt.com, and, and the next thing we're going to listen to is Yab. So, folks, please stay tuned. We are WFMU. <laughs>
Sheldon, are you there? Thank you so much for programming that uh, Scissor Fight song. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a bit of a class. That's another band I wish I got the chance to see. They, they, I think they split up within a, within a month or so of me arriving in, a, in the States as well. Oh, so, so you have a lot to do with this now. I think I am. I think mm. I have, there's something going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any reason why you uh, wanted to feature Scissor Fight on this program? Uh, I just think they're. I just. I just think they're a fun band. I, when I first heard them, I, was, I think I was staying in Boston with Aaron Turner from ISIS for a, a week or so in, a, in 2000, and, uh, and he gave me a bunch of CDs to listen to. Because I shared. I think Hydrohead was sharing the house with Tortuga Records then, and yeah, it was kind of a fun place. And I just remember hearing this was a fight, and I was like, wow, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's really good fun music. Yeah, I like that band. And uh, and then before that, we heard an excerpt of. Uh my wall off of the white right. one yeah that's julian cope doing the vocals there i don't know I've, I've obviously heard a lot of sun i've been on tour with them and had a lot to do with the band as far as doing uh, writing liner notes through to doing merchandise and so on and so forth and uh, i don't know that, i think it's still my favorite sun track it's probably the least one of the well the less more sun signature style uh, tracks especially with the vocals being like they are, but I think it's just a, it's a very unusual track, and uh, Julian Cope's a very unusual man. It's, a, it's an interesting marriage there. I, uh, I actually ended up hanging out with Julian in uh, Brussels a few years ago when I was over there with Stephen. And um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He was a he was a fascinating character. Tell <laughs> tell us about Julian. Well, he was. I was. I wasn't, didn't really know what to expect. Was, uh, I knew he was a bit of a pop star in the eighties. Teardrop explodes, of course, and uh, and Stephen had sort of said, "Yeah, you see, you know." He's He's pretty out there. And I was like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's cool, whatever. I just remember we were, we were waiting for him in the foyer of the hotel. Like his son was doing a show with Boris, and uh, Julian came over to, to, to do some vocals. He, uh, all of a sudden, the elevator door opened, and this uh, this guy came out in like a it was like a Luftwaffe uniform uh, cap with uh, airman sunglasses, uh, a leather vest, like some kind of German Second World War army officer's pants and jack boots. Wow. Yeah, with long hair down to his hips. Oh. Yeah, he was he was a very bizarre, very extremely intelligent, personable guy. And, uh, but he was definitely the probably my only time I've felt in the presence of some sort of weird celebrity genius. He was um, had all sorts of strange things to say about all sorts of things, and uh, we ended up hanging out a lot, going to Mexican restaurants together. And uh, he was telling me all sorts of stories about uh, his exploits in the eighties on various substances and so forth, and tour adventures it was uh it was a very interesting few days spent with julian it sounds uh, like it yeah yeah i really uh, i really enjoyed myself it was very cool well and i wasn't sure if you were going to go to that fearful place like i saw him and then it no no he was great he ended up writing lyric the funny thing is he was playing the track with son um, at uh, the ab club in brussels which is quite a large place he was prancing around the stage in a burka wearing a lizard mask underneath it and um photos uh i do actually videoed it it somewhere and uh son were only playing moogs as well there was no guitar so there were four moogs on stage it was the most ridiculously heavy transcendental show i think i've ever seen i sort of of noticed he was talking about his vocals at one point were about me he'd written this weird tract about this giant australian guy (laughs) wow hang on that's 
talking about me. <laughs> and, uh, it, was, it was a very funny few days. Wow. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So you impacted Julian Cope in some way. In some way. I mean, we kept in touch for like a couple of months afterwards. Since then, you know, I don't think I've had any contact with him at all. But uh, he's, he's, he's a nice guy. He's Ooh. very, very fascinating, especially all the books he writes. And uh, one of the world's uh, experts on um, ancient Celtic sites and druids. And, uh, oh, wow. Is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's done talks at the British Museum. And oh, no kidding. In his full weird regalia as well to, like, leading British scientists and historians in a very conservative setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that that may be looked at as, as some kind of cred in some circles. I could, I could see, like, the, the historians, the guys sitting there smoking the pipe and all that. And yeah. Being like, oh, well, yeah. Well, Britain's definitely got a... Um, well, the British certainly have far more acceptance of eccentricity than that uh, I think America does. Mm-hmm. You know, someone that's uh, eccentric is seen in a, in a different light over there. So I think him turning up to talk to um, leading scientists, you know, with, with his hair dyed fluorescent green and, you know, wearing a German officer's outfit isn't necessarily seen as overly outrageous, just like, oh, a bit of a chuckle. What a, right, what a, right. What a strange chap. Oh, what a sport. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Lovely. Ah, that's great. So uh, my guest is Selden Hunt, and uh, you can look at his artwork at SeldonHunt.com, and uh, he's responsible for album covers and posters and T-shirts galore for uh, decades. Should we say decades? Decade and a little bit. Decade and a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when you were living in Australia, how um, how often did you go to live shows? I probably went to live shows more often when I lived in Australia than I do here, um, probably because it's easy to get around. It's a smaller community, so... I don't know, especially, well, probably in the 90s when I was... I, would, I just go to shows, every, like, twice every weekend. I was younger and more enthusiastic, and I wasn't involved in music at all. I was purely a punter, and I didn't speak to the musicians, or I had no contact whatsoever. I didn't do artwork or anything like that. So probably a little different perspective on things, perhaps. I mean, I, when I first came to New York, I guess I was going to see a lot of shows, um, just because a lot of bands that would never go to Australia were playing all the time, and so that was fantastic. So I think I was probably, my frequency of seeing shows was pretty high for the first year here. And then I, you know, I probably, I still go, I'll probably go to shows less than I used to, that's for sure. Back in Australia, there was a, there was a really good punk scene in the late 80s and early 90s, so um, we'd always, we'd always go to a couple of shows every weekend and behave like idiots. It was fun. Hooray! Yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> Are there any uh, Australian bands um, from that period that really never, that if you talk about them here, people don't even know what you're talking about? Like any bands that you want to champion from from back home? Yeah, I think there's plenty of them. I think there's one particular band that they're on the doorsteps of sort of being quite successful. Um, there's a band called Damaged. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, I guess they were... I mean, they're kind of like a grindcore metal band, but um, they had a very uh, unusual sort of rhythmical sound, and they were really heavy and really quite brutal, and a great live act. But they had all sorts of, you know, personal problems with drugs, especially with the, uh, the lead singer at the time. He was a great front man, but he was a total mess. And uh, I think they got a, got a, they were offered a U.S. tour with supporting Morbid Angel. Oh, wow. In around 93, when death metal was really big. And so that would have been a, a huge opportunity for them. But uh, the day before they were supposed to go on the, the tour, the lead singer decided he didn't want to be in the band anymore. Oh. Yeah. So. Let's screw it up for everybody. Yeah, so that kind of imploded. But yeah, they were an awesome band. The drummers have actually been playing with Stephen and O'Malley a little bit, doing some of the um, like sort of 
Sophia's a fantastic uh, double kick drummer. But they, yeah, they pretty much imploded. They ended up having a, a, a variety of replacement uh, singers after that. Yeah, it's never recaptured any of the magic of the first four years. That's a hard but, thing to recover from, losing a singer. Sometimes. Yeah, especially someone who's pretty potent, you know, ferocious up there. It's a hard thing to find. And yeah, that chemistry was always never the same after, anyway, with the rest of the band. But that's probably the only band I think would, I can think of that were really something else. Um, we have a question from a listener. They want to know if you ever saw Feed Time play. No, I didn't. Did not. Okay. All right. Thank you for your question, listener. <laughs> I just want to uh, to mention again that Sheldon Hunt is my guest. And uh, the next track that you're going to present to us is somebody local. Is that right? That's right. Yep. It's, uh, it's a band called uh, Heldon. They're a Brooklyn-based band. I've seen them a number of times. I oh, know there's just something about them that I think is pretty special. They've got a rather unique and uh, unusual sort of sound. It's sort of like a, it's kind of like pop, but it's really heavy and bluesy, and it's not really metal either. But it's I don't know. I just think they're really, really cool, really cool uh, sort of songs that they play live. And uh, great f- uh, singer out front, female singer. So uh, I don't know. There's just something about them that I, I think is really interesting. I think people should hear them. So. Uh, uh, do they have an album out? They have an album coming out uh, in the next few months. Uh, it'll be on vinyl on uh, Calm Before the Swarm. Uh, mm. so I think that's in the progress of uh, production and getting it out. So uh, they'll be doing some. They'll be doing some shows after the new year, apparently. So uh, with, uh, with some new songs and, and so forth. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Heldon. That's a, so you have a little uh, some local music to support, and uh, Selden Hunt's website is seldenhunt.com. We're going to listen to some Heldon now, and folks, please stay tuned.
yes. Some obituary there, Selden. Nothing like a bit of obituary. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, what was the um, the reason for choosing obituary? I think I've really been getting into a bit of a death metal kick lately in the last 12 months. I think uh, I think there's been such a I don't know there's been such a huge emphasis on black metal in the last couple of years, uh, or even more than that. But uh, I've just sort of reached an, I've reached I guess some kind of wall with black metal. I almost it's just. I don't know, it's just, there's so much of it and uh, there seems to be so much emphasis on it that I just can't handle it anymore. You're saturated. I'm just overly saturated with it, just as a culture, as a sound, as, a, as just anything. I mean, there's still some great bands and you know, it's not, it's not so much the music or anything like that. It's just really, there just seems to be a lot of, a lot of people very excited about black metal as if it just started yesterday. And it's, you know, I mean, black metal predates grunge. <laughs> Old. Right. Not, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, there's some good new bands and uh, nothing. We're still going to see some of the bands that are playing around Brooklyn now, but um, I think, uh, I don't know, I just got sick of it and kind of like death metal was something I really stopped listening to in the 90s, you know, fervor, with any sort of uh, fervor. And uh, I don't know, I think I just started listening, going back to listening to some of the old stuff in the early 90s and late, late 80s and uh, just realizing just how awesome it was. Sort of forgotten about it a little, you know, just. Being a sort of a, a college age uh, when death metal was uh, was popular, there was so much of it, and I, I enjoyed it. It sort of that sort of passed for me. I don't think I looked back, because there was all sorts of other you know, music that kept coming up after that. Revisit it with any passion until recently, and I've uh, just been realizing how fantastic it is. Just the technical aspect and the, the, the sound, and it's just so fierce. Especially bands like Death, I mean, it's just utterly extraordinary. Uh, very underrated band in the grand scheme of things. I mean, certainly not in the death metal community. They're certainly one of the blue chip bands there, but I mean, they're a hell of a lot more than just a death metal band. It's, uh, it's almost like classical music to me, listening to, to death and something else. So yeah, that's really the, the you know, as far as speaking about some death and some uh, obituary. It's uh, just sort of trying to revisiting a lot of that, that sort of music at the moment, working and uh, just you know, chilling out. Did you get to see either of those bands in Australia? No, I don't think, I can't be certain, but I'm not sure if Death ever came over. I'm pretty sure Obituary never came over. I mean, it's expensive for bands to come to Australia. But, oh, yeah, it is. You know, no one ever came over. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you that, like what American bands or what, you know, what bands that you really liked that you did get to see? Oh, I was trying to think. I remember, well, not that they're American, but I saw Carcass back in the early 90s. Oh, uh, wow. And that was awesome. And not much else, like, not that's, not from like that period. I mean, it just was it was kind of rare for it to really happen that much. Um, and it seemed to be like a lot of the bands that came over didn't really want to see. They were a little bit too commercial or poppy or something. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like the punk and the uh, sort of underground metal, that just didn't really seem to happen. Um, so even though bands came from the U.S., you still wouldn't bring down your level of. Uh, well, your yeah, standard, were, just to that's go right. See, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to spend twenty bucks on seeing something just because it was a name. Good for you. It wasn't really something else. But I, I saw Cannibal Corpse in the early nineties, actually. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, that's about it, really. I think. Oh no, I saw Zeni Giver in the early nineties, but they're Japanese. But they, I mean, I'm struggling to think of anything. Yeah, well, you know, but, and and it's but it's great that you're illustrating what it was like, and and you said you were really active and you went to a lot of shows. So that was more supporting local. 
Yeah, I mean, Melbourne's music scene was always you know, really extensive. And, uh, I mean, I, said, I remember listening to an interview on, uh, on radio back in Australia, back in the, you know, like, like 1991 or something. And uh, I, think it was, I think it was Henry Rollins was on the radio because he just came over with the Rollins band. And uh, he basically said, I don't know why everyone's so excited about Seattle. Like, there's more happening in Melbourne. Like, this place is crazy. I don't think he'd been there before. And, Mm. kind of overwhelmed with uh, the volume of really awesome and uh, original bands that were playing and uh, he did some recording with a band with the hard-ons I don't know if you oh yeah that band. yeah he did a cut we did an EP with them while he was over there and oh, uh, cool. he sort of got involved in the scene there back before he started wearing gray t-shirts and interviewing you know Morgan Freeman and stuff <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, the, the scene was great back then. I mean, we, you know, it was certainly, there was, there, was, there was all sorts of stuff. I mean, it was, it was just like, it was like mini New York in some respect. I mean, there's a lot of hardcore and punk and metal and death metal and, you know, and there's, and the more sort of, uh, I guess there was sort of like bands like the Cosmic Psychos and the Hard-Ons and, and, and so forth that had a very quintessential Australian sound that's not within a genre that can be sort of stuck in with other bands from other parts of the world, you know, I mean, other than the broad sort of umbrella of punk, if you like, but I mean, that's what they sounded punk. You know, just independent rock bands with a lot of freaky people going to see them, and um, yeah, that was, that was kind of really cool, and that's that's not as prevalent in, in, in Melbourne as it was either, that sort of died as well, so there was certainly a, a period of about 10 to 15 years from about, I guess, uh, 1980 to 1995, where Melbourne and Australia itself had a explosive music scene, which was cool. But I think that's worldwide, really, anyway, in some respects. 1980 to 1995 was... Yeah, that was a time. Yeah. And then uh, the first song... Oh, well, the, the first song in that track was held in, and then after that was um, Ochre from Isis off of the Red Sea record. Yep. Yeah, I love that record. I never got to see Isis play anything from that record. Um, I really only got in touch with them around um, Signal 5, uh, and then Panopticon and so forth, when I was sort of more involved with them as, uh, as an artist, doing tour posters and, and so forth. I don't know. I mean, they did produce some great albums after that, but there's something about the there's something so simple and brutal about that first uh, that first EP. I always seem to come back to it. Yes, indeed. And I guess we uh, this is about the end of your run here. Um, yes, and I yes. wanted to thank you for it's been a pleasure. Yeah, for coming on and doing you know doing all the work to put the show together. And you know, and just want to again tell the listeners that your website is SeldonHunt.com, and I know that you're not really selling a whole lot of stuff on there and all that, but your contribution to, you know, the the presentation of, we'll say, the post-2000 Doom world from behind the scenes and in front of the scenes is, is you know, really impactful and, and, and something not to be swept aside. And and I think nowadays where we're more, you know, it's like, oh, MP3s and this and that. It's like like album art. People don't necessarily think about that. And, uh, I think it's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Bluntly. I, I, I think there's really, there's a much less of a interest in album art as there was even five years ago, you know. I think that, I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, I mean, you don't, you go, there's no such thing as record stores anymore. I mean, you don't really flick through CD shelves like you used to. So I think it's no, there's no question that it's become less uh, important. You know, well, it's like you have to, things, unfortunately. yeah, it seems as if you have to be in touch with like a, a sort of a boutique outlet and know when things are yeah. coming out and just get them that way. Yeah. But your work is, well, and who knows, you know, maybe there'll be some kind of resurgence and everybody's computers will blow up at once and uh, we'll, we'll have to go back to, you know, whatever. Vinyl. 
churning oh, our own I milk know. and whatever. But but um, but your work is magnificent, and I just oh, you know want to point that out. And and you and I met from uh, I, I think I met you at Fury Fest. Fury Fest. Yeah. The, uh, Le Mans yeah. Race Course. Yes. 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 Yeah, you know, so I know that you're a you're an enthusiast of of live music, and you've made a huge contribution to the scene. And and off mic, Sheldon was telling me about touring with bands and sort of having to help them with with more than just you know merchandise and stuff because they needed more help technically. So you've been members of honorary members or actually a member of <laughs> certain bands here and there, whether you liked yep. it or not. You know, slightly behind the curtain, no one can see me. Right? Yeah, you're the Wizard of Oz of of today. So, but yeah, so um, thanks. I just wanted to really recognize and acknowledge, you know, your body of work, which is phenomenal. And you're doing, um, it looks like you've got more photography stuff going on now. Yeah, it's sort of a bit of a focus at the moment is, uh, is my photography. I want to start exhibiting that. Um, there's some possible um, exhibitions coming up next year in Europe. So, um, very good. The website and on my Facebook or whatever the hell they want to follow. Um, there'll be more information about that, but uh, that's definitely a uh, direction I'm moving in. Very good. Well, and thanks so much for being a part of the show. So this last track that we're going to go to. Oh, yes. Um, what was it again? It's, uh, Coroner. It's Coroner, and it's uh, Bad uh, Life. Yes. Of Mental Vortex, which yeah. is one of my favorite thrash albums of the, of the day. Enjoy. So thank you very much for, for being here. Fun. Somebody actually wanted to know if you had an opinion about the hard-ons, but I think you already, you already talked about them. They're awesome. Uh, they're awesome. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Well, there's the opinion. Selden, thank you so much for being with us. And uh, we're going to go out with some coroner now. And my guest has been Selden Hunt. You can uh, check out his artwork, SeldonHunt.com. And uh, we are WFMU. Stay tuned. Thanks, Diane. And that wraps it up for today's podcast. Thank you to Lita Martinez for editing the podcast and to Liz Berg for all the other background work. We are WFMU.